Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Hello, I want to welcome you to this edition of The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Bill Hendricks. I'm the Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center. And I want to come right to the point of our theme today, why the church needs drama and the arts. And I can't think of anybody more qualified to speak into this area than Dr. Reg Grant, who is the department chair and senior teaching professor of media arts and worship. Reg, welcome to the Thank Table you, podcast. Bill. Good to be here. I always feel like uh, media arts and uh, the Hendricks Center were sort of cousins. We're like joined at the hips. Yeah, we we yeah. have a lot of things in common. And but I feel like with this announced a theme, why the church needs drama and the arts. I'm I'm. In a, in a sense, asking you to justify your job here at Dallas Seminary. And <laughs> You're not the first. <laughs> and frankly, yes, and to justify the existence of the media arts and worship department. Um, but, but let me ask, you know, why is this even an issue? Why would we not be thinking about worship and, or, or about media arts and, and worship? Because the arts are slippery. Mm. Uh, they're, I used to tell my students, you know, if DTS – had a flag, our colors would be black and white because <laughs> the we're more comfortable in a yes or a no, and shades of gray are are difficult to navigate. Uh, but that's where the arts live. They live in shades of gray. They live in the colorful fringes hmm. uh, that are that are unique to our discipline. It doesn't mean that there isn't truth here. There is truth here. There is truth that is nuanced here. I was going to say, nuances loom large in this conversation. It is. And, and it's, but it, it makes those who have been raised with a more uh, definitive uh, kind of, a, of an attitude toward you do it or you don't, it's good or it's bad. To, to have more difficulty in, in, uh, be, in being comfortable with that level of mystery. mystery we're not strong on mystery. We're, we, we, mystery makes uh, a lot of, of our, our colleagues and just brothers and sisters in the Lord uncomfortable because there isn't a real hard and fast yes and no hmm. in the realm of mystery. And, and it's something that invites us in and invites us to recognize, I think, that and, and, and um, acknowledge that we are dependent uh, because mm. the closer you come to a black and a white, the closer you come to being able to control you your go. world. And well, it's my experience that humans hate uncertainty. Yeah. We hate uncertainty, and sure. so black and white gives us a, at least sometimes an illusion of certainty. Mm -hmm. But it's ironic because when we talk about God Himself, ultimately He, while He's revealed Himself to us in ways that are reasonable, He Himself goes beyond reason into mystery. Yeah, yeah, and, he, and that's scary for us. It it, it well sure because I mean the old temptation to become God is 
you know, hasn't gone away. Right. Uh, we still would like wisdom right now, and don't make me wait for it. And that, that's what God got uh, Adam and Eve into trouble. They they were approached with, um, you know, the the abundance of the garden of the orchard in front of them, and they were given a really simple test. Hmm. But the temptation to gain wisdom quickly, immediately on their timetable superseded mm. their desire to follow the Lord, and that's where they got into trouble. Hans Ruckmacher is a name that I know looms large in your field. Hans Ruckmacher, for our listeners, uh, lived uh, back in the 20th century and was Dutch and was a a professor, a scholar, and he spoke a lot about art, art history, philosophy, became very good friends with Francis Schaeffer, and in fact uh, formed a branch of Labrie up in uh, the Netherlands. And he said that art tries literally to picture the things which philosophy tries to put into carefully thought out words. It's the same idea that you're, you're, you're now speaking in art not so much through words, but through images, through portrayals, through story, through sound, through sound, mm -hmm. and so it's not. It's a different calculus. It is. It's a. It's. Uh, it's one way that I like to think about it is it's. It's pretty much the opposite of a materialist frame of reference when we try to interpret reality. Hmm. You cannot. You cannot unravel mind. Uh, you can understand the brain. You can right. understand that this is a collection of neurons, but that's not what a person is. That's what, not what a mind is. You cannot unravel consciousness. Mm. Nobody can do that. Right. Uh, God alone created mind and consciousness and an awareness, as C.S. Lewis said, of a greater reality beyond this one. How do you boil that down to neurological synapses you know, firing. It's just not a materialist. It, you, you're going to come to the end of yourself before too long if you're a full-blown materialist. And I think in the arts, we we while on the one hand we may say, oh yeah, I'm I'm a materialist. I mean, those who are not Christians yet uh, or believers yet would feel more comfortable comfortable with a materialist kind of an approach, but. In practice, when they when they exercise their giftedness, mm -hmm. they're anything but, or right. they're not good artists. Yeah. So let's just backtrack. How did we get here? Because, you know, we have in Christian history um, this rather rich uh, history of creativity and the arts and music and even drama. You know, the Middle Ages, the churches are holding Christmas masks and mm -hmm. they're telling stories. You know, publicly in in the streets, and then and then you have this explosion of art uh, mm -hmm. in the in the Renaissance, and uh, you know, how did how, how did that all suddenly, or maybe it wasn't sudden, but how did we get from there to what it, I might call sort of a sterile vision of art today? The Enlightenment uh, that that put. Um, the Enlightenment, combined with uh, Oliver Cromwell, who came in and closed all the theaters in mm. the seventeenth mid seventeenth century, and thought he could stamp out this pestilence of uh, creativity, and yeah. it just will not stay down. It will not go away. It keeps 
popping back up right. because people are made in the image of God and they will part create. Of the, they will create. <laughs> they just it's part of who we are. It's in our spiritual DNA. Whether or not the person acknowledges Christ as Lord or not, those people are all created in the image of God and have an, an impulse. A compulsion hmm. to create that can't be denied by something as as simplistic as an atheistic approach to life just doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, it's creativity is irrepressible. Yeah. I mean, I think of how 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 would anybody possibly shut off a Mozart? The guy's composing in his sleep. He cannot not compose. He cannot not hear that music and. Want to bring it out? Yeah, and 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 I mean, when you think of Bach, yes. uh, the um, we 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 have so little of his, we don't we don't have a lot of his uh, of his works. And they were finding his works. People were using them to wrap fish. His his compositions. That that's how some <laughs> of the most magnificent work of Bach was discovered: wrapping fish, because people didn't recognize. To a large extent, his genius, especially on the on on the, the basic societal level of the the very poor people to whom he ministered in hmm. his churches, didn't recognize it. They just got a new cantata every week and had no idea what it meant <laughs> to compose something. The genius behind it. Wow. So we almost lost most of Bach. And if it weren't for some people intervening, then we would have. Well, that kind of raises the question of there's this masterpiece, but are there enough people who recognize it, recognize what they're even listening to? It doesn't matter. And the the reason it doesn't matter is because if the piece is done well and it doesn't stand up and trumpet, I am creative, I am a genius, I am I'm creating all this this wonderful stuff, and why aren't you appreciating it? If it does its job of revealing from a Christian point of view, if it does if we do our job of revealing Christ, who is beauty, he is goodness, he is truth. If we do our job of revealing that, then the people will be affected even though they might not be able to rationally deconstruct it and understand why they're being affected. But a good story well told is going to have an impact on the listening audience or the viewing audience that a simple grocery list of do's and don'ts will never will never have because there's a motivational element in the story that's lacking in a in a grocery list. So we need to be doing what we're doing well to the best of our ability under the control of God's spirit because it works because that's that's the avenue through the local church that God is using to transform us not society. Our goal isn't the transformation of society. Our goal is to mirror Christ. Mm-hmm. The transformation of society is up to God. Right. We, if we make that our goal, we're going to be frustrated artists our whole life. Right. We, our job is to mirror him and let him take care of the results. So do you see that happening in the church and in, among Christians today? More and more I do. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I see in the local church. Uh, as I travel around the world and go into churches in different different parts of the world, it's not rocket science. It is it's real simple. I have been in South America, and been in a church in uh, Ecuador, in Quito, 
where I was able to see – it was just cinder block church, very, very basic. Uh, it had uh, space between the roof and the wall to let air circulate hmm. and just unpainted raw uh, – concrete floor, I think. It might have even been dirt. But to see, I, I stood beha- behind, as we were singing these Christian hymns, I stood behind, one man was a Kichua, another man was a Waurani, another man was a Hivaro. Now, two years prior to that, they would have killed each other. Right. They were singing praises to God, and the binding force that the Spirit used to unify this group was music. Mm. Music bound these brothers in Christ together and gave them the opportunity to celebrate the risen Savior mm. in a way that, that was so basic and, and yet so profound in its exercise. We have a man here at Dallas Seminary named Todd Agnew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd is a fantastic mu- musician, and he's also a worship pastor. And I think those two things go together so well, right. being a, a pastor and a musician whose heart is for his people. And Todd does such a magnificent job of replicating the life of Christ uh, in the pulpit and in the classroom as he's teaching. Mm. Red, your whole background is particularly on the drama side of things, um, and to this day, I know you still do acting and one-man productions and mm-hmm. storytelling and so forth and so on. That seems to be a part of the creative fields that that is missing in action in many churches today. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, it's it's a discipline that's. I said it's not rocket science, but there there is technique right. involved, and there is discipline, and it's hard work. Uh, most of the time, if a church isn't participating in doing in in promoting or participating in drama, it's because they haven't been exposed to it on the church side of things. Now, everybody in that congregation is going to go home and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger right. and right. watch movies and things like that. But the connecting point between between what's possible and what th- – there's a, there's a secular sacred division mm-hmm. that's not healthy. In, in this case, it's not healthy because there, there are, there are uh, opportunities to explore the use of drama, and it's biblical. Right. Uh, we have many biblical examples of, of the Lord commanding drama in the worshiping community for the furtherance of his message. Give us an example. Okay, uh, Isaiah 20. Uh, the Lord tells Isaiah to, to uh, take off his clothes. Now, Isaiah was probably a pretty well-to-do dude. I mean, he was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but the Lord gets him to go real basic and even to the point of, of exposing, you know, a kind of a, a, at least a semi-naked Quality to him, and he he went parading through Israel as a as a a, a sign hmm. to Israel that judgment was coming, and they were going to be led away. It was street theater. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Ezekiel, <laughs> uh, Ezekiel, yeah. four one to eight uh, hmm. is the Lord. The Lord starts out by saying, "I want you to draw a picture. Now etch it in a clay tablet." Okay, that's go- that's going to be Jerusalem. Now, take an iron pan, set up the iron pan, 
erect a siege wall against this pretend Jerusalem. Mm. Now, here's what I want you to do, Zeke. I want you to go down and lie down on your side, your left side. You're going to go down on your left side for like three, I forget what it is, 390 days, something like that. And by the way, in case you get uncomfortable and you decide you want to turn over, I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to tie you up so you can't move. And you're going to be there for 390 days. Now, he gave him breaks, obviously, right? There are gaps in the story. And then when you're done with that, we're going to flip you over and lie on your right side for 40 (laughs) days for all the years that that, uh, Judah was. So you've got an object lesson of a man lying down as a – and I'm sure he – you know, said something while he's lying there, and so we've got this this wonderful acting going on, and it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. New Testament, we have um, uh, we have Jesus Himself in uh, John in five uh, nineteen, and in uh, twelve forty nine and fifty, and in fourteen, where Jesus says in in five, he says, "This is one of the most fascinating things." He says, "I never." I never, I never did anything I didn't see the Father doing first. Hmm. And 12, 49, and 50, he says, I never said anything I didn't hear the Father speak first. Now, we think of Jesus as being creative, and he was, but he was not original. Hmm. He was – C.S. Lewis says, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with originality. It's, right. You know, it's right. bad news. There was, you know, the, the devil had original <laughs> sin. That's where Lewis goes with it. But in, when Jesus was saying he didn't do anything or say anything he didn't hear the Father do, doing or saying first, it, he was saying, he was saying uh, I, the Father and I are one, and it's not like – this is Reg's paraphrase. It's it's not like when I was a boy and I was in my earthly adopted father's home and he was demonstrating how to shape a piece of wood. Right. And he would do it and then short time lapse I would do it and I would I would follow his lead. Jesus isn't watching the father and listening to the father and then copying him. It's a mirror image. Hmm. So it's a, the 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 best word that we have for it. I think is mimesis. It's a it's a um, it's a uh, it's it's the primary um, principle in all of Western imitative art. There is a and and it works for for this connection as well. When when you put your hand together in front of a mirror, when you put your hand in front of a mirror and you move it. Well, which moved first? You know, there's, there's no separation. Right. There's no time lag. Why? Because this image is, in a sense, this image. Right. Jesus is saying the Father and I are one. So much so, mm. this perfect representation of God, Jesus says, you know, the, the one thing, guys, when he's talking to the disciples in the upper room, he said, the, 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 the thing that you must realize is that I have revealed the Father to you. That's my job, to reveal the Father to you. Now, John 17, I want you to do the same thing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray that you will be one, Mm -hmm. even as the Father and And I I are one. Philip, you know, back in 14, Philip pipes up. Philip's sort of a backseat Mm -hmm. guy, and you don't hear much from him. 
uh, throughout the course of Jesus' ministry, but Philip says, um, mm-hmm. Lord, you know, I'm sure kind of you know, wanting to impress, wanting to sort of impress the master. You've had students like mm-hmm. that sit on the back right. row, and then it comes to finals, and they, all of a sudden they become active. Well, there's Philip on the back row saying, tell you what, Lord, uh, just show us the Father, and it'll be enough. Doesn't that sound spiritual? It's just great. It's just super. But Jesus isn't going to have anything to do with that. He said, Philip, have I been with you this long? And you don't know if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Not the same person, right? but a perfect representation of the Father. That's our goal. And in the arts, whether it's music or dance or drama hmm. or whatever that art is, there is an opportunity for us to take that aspect of the character of God hmm. and and under the guidance of God's Spirit, allowing him to mold us and shape us and frame our art to present that to the world and so reveal Christ to, to manifest the world. Him. To manifest him. That's what, that's what we're about. Yeah. Well, that segues into a question that I know you must get asked incessantly, which is, so, Reg, what makes art Christian? Oh, that's a great question. I don't believe in Christian art. I don't think there is such a thing. I think art is art. I think beauty is beauty. Dr. Chafer himself said that systematic theology is the gleaning of truth from any and every source. Mm. It's truth. It's not, it's, it's not Christian truth. It's truth, or it's beauty, or it's goodness. Now, how we, how we manifest that, how we take that beauty, that goodness, that truth, and we we convey it convey it yes manifest it the 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 manner in which we do that has an end in view that is unique to our position in Christ and that is the glory of god mm-hmm. because we have at our disposal these many 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 tools that allow us the privilege of participating with god in showing jesus to the world and it's so multifaceted. It's as different as every single individual. Bill, if you, did, right. if you don't do this, if you don't do what we're doing here, nobody does it. Daryl could come in and take a shot at it, but it's going to be, be Daryl's deal. Yeah, right. it's going to be different. And if I don't act, then nobody else is going to act Each like – Each of us is unique. Yeah, unique contribution. So the Lord gives us this privilege of taking these gifts – Submitting them to him to the end that – and this is one of the things that's missing in the church, I think mm. – to the end that we glorify him. So the church isn't, doesn't, doesn't get reduced to something like, a, like an extended marriage seminar or how to get your kids to obey you or right. – it's, it's not that. I can go to a lot of secular places to try to get that. It's, it's how, do we, how, do we, how do we engage the gospel – and by the I mean, the gospel in, in the largest sense, the word of God, how do we engage that in a way that is going to honor the Lord? In the process, I'm going to wind up with a family that loves Jesus. I'm going to wind up with, with uh, um, a marriage that works, but that's not my primary goal. Well, it reminds me of something C.S. Lewis said. He, he kind of talked about friendship, philosophy, and art. And he said all of those are actually unnecessary in the sense that none of them has what you might call survival 
value, but rather they are things that give value to survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of mixed those up, I think. Uh, we're, we're, we're wanting to survive, and it's, the question is survive for what? Like what's what's the, what's the nature of that? Survival? Yeah, because it all comes back to me again. Yeah, uh, you know, even in uh, e- even in the Christian realm, it's so easy to slip back into that that uh, prepper kind of a mentality where I'm preparing for the end, not to the glory of God, but so I can survive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it's so easy to slip into that, and even when it comes to protecting my family. Uh, I can want to protect them, but I have to ask myself, why do I want to protect them? Why do I want to preserve my life? Well, I, I want the opportunity to witness for Christ more. I want, I want the glory of God to be accomplished in my life and in the life of my children in the life of my wife and my loved ones. And that's, my, that's what gets me up in the morning, and that's what helps me go to sleep at night. God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So how would a church go about bringing this into its discipleship of its people? I think do a, uh, it's, it's real easy just to – back in the old days, I, before we had internet or even computers, I used to hand out three-by-five cards uh, when I was teaching in the local church and say, for example, um, I want you all to write down your – your favorite books, the things that you're reading now that you really like. And I got a little reading club together, and it started out like 40 or 50 people, and it quickly got down to about 10. And right. So I said, okay, now you're going to take that, and you're going um, to read, and you're going to hand in – I had talked to the secretary beforehand, so I got permission to do this. You're going to hand in the best examples of, of, of illustrative material, good be- or bad, positive or negative to her, she's going to type it up, and I'm going to start working those illustrations into my sermons and my messages. Well, interesting. You, I mean, well, you know, I got that idea from your dad. Uh, I, it just it it those people are on the edge of their seat listening because they want to see, see if they the, got into yeah, it. Right. If they made the cut. Right. Yeah. It was so much fun. <laughs> I think little simple things like canvassing your congregation, sending out one of these real easy to compose Google Doc survey things and saying, Hey, where are you where's your gift? What what do you love to do? What's your passion in the arts? Where where do you line up? And then collect those and approach those people and say, here's how we want to celebrate your gift to the church, and start letting go of the reins a little bit and trusting these artists to put together something that's going to benefit and bless the church and wind up being a ripple effect out into the community. 
So as people start to express those creative gifts, um, what if they all end up, oh, I've got a – this is a Christian thing. i got to put a cross in there. i got to put an angel in there. I mean, th- is that legitimate? Is it – No. How do you – really you... I mean, it's – I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to challenge the motive of yeah, the person right. wanting to do that. It's just uninformed uh, because our job is to help them understand that – if you've got a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh, I don't have to tack a Bible verse on it to right. justify its inclusion in my in my hallway at my church or at my home. Again, it's that secular sacred divide that's that's just poison. I want the the biggest thing that I have. You ask any of my faculty or my students, the biggest word for Reg is integration. Say it's, more about that. It's well, you know the uh, the verse. Um, uh, there is uh, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation James, or shifting shadow. Right. James, and the the idea is that I think the way it works itself out practically is that every gift, every good and perfect gift, comes down from the Father of lights. Now that may extend beyond love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. You know, what if? What if there are, there are riches beyond our imagining that are good gifts that come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow? So you've got this constancy mm-hmm. and consistency in the triune God, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you've got this, this enormous variety of gifts that all work together to, to – when, when we consolidate – those gifts, where we're given the opportunity to explore how, if you're a plumber, God bless you, I need you, uh, you're a plumber, but to be a really great plumber, you need to know something about dance. Hmm. If you're a dancer, you need to know something about plumbing hmm. because they're related. We don't see it right off the bat. But there's a connection between these good and perfect gifts that God gives to the body of Christ. It's our joy to discover what those connecting points are and to celebrate. I can't look down on anybody else in the body of Christ. How can the hand say to the foot, I have no need of you? We need need plumbers. We need dancers. We need actors and we need technicians. So when we say why the church needs drama in the arts, what we're really saying is 1 Corinthians 12, why the church exactly. needs everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's because the church needs everybody. everybody. The church, There is no special class. Artists don't occupy a special higher calling. It's a calling like anybody else. But what I think we can do in the local church is, is try to move beyond suspicion through acceptance to celebration. So that we're 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 no longer. I want to I want to encourage our leaders out there to give the artists in their congregation a chance and relax the to try to try to not. I want to say not be afraid, but it's 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 more than just fear. It is. There is a justifiable caution to the arts because they see what's going on in the in worldly mm-hmm. arts, some of which is really awful. Really dark. But one of the reasons that they're afraid is because they inherently recognize the power of those arts. 
Mm. Well, if those arts are sanctified, if they are dedicated to the Lord Jesus and depending on the Spirit to mold and shape us, they are far more powerful than anything that the world can produce. It's just that we're, we're scared by the world a lot of times. Do you find that uh, it, 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 it seems like maybe some ministers, some pastors, some church leaders, they sort of get art and others just like they don't quite get it, like what's the point of art? Like they just it, they just don't have categories in which to work with it. Yeah, a lot of it's the way that we were brought up, that each individual – what kind of home were you brought up in? Hmm. Were you exposed to the arts as a kiddo or, or, or not? And, and some guys come and, – and women too, of course, they come to the arts later in life. Sometimes that light bulb goes on and, boy, get out of the way because yeah. they are going to so – I had a student, Jason Shepard. I hope Jason's watching this. Um, Jason came from a long line of preachers. And he was he was um, the center for the Texas Aggies. Oh wow! I could go anywhere with that guy. Yeah, I mean, he was like <laughs> over three hundred pounds. Of, <laughs> he was a bull, and he wanted to be uh, a pastor. And he had a semester where he, he just couldn't work out the his elective offering, so he had to sign up for creative writing, which is what I was teaching. All right, All right. he didn't want to be there. And it was obvious from day one, and about halfway through the semester, the bug bit. Jason Shepard is a good writer, Mm. and he came to my office not too long after that, and he said, Reg, I'm I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a professional writer, and I need you to help me. Well, years passed. He goes on to become a, a senior editor at Insight for Living. And then goes down and, and he he wound up coaching football at some little <laughs> town down south, and uh, and teaching uh, teaching the kids creativity and he's writing. Still, he's still writing and he's teaching still writing. writing. Yep, good yep. for him. Yeah, the Lord, arts change people. Yeah, beauty has a habit of doing that. So me being the contrarian that I am, I always flip these things around. We we've, we've kicked around the question why the church needs drama and the arts. Why does drama and the arts need the church? Oh, goodness. If, if, we, if we don't have the church, then we're missing out on the primary tool that God is using to reach the world for the Lord Jesus. I mean, you could, you could go out, hang out your own shingle. You know, you can go through this, this program, the Media Arts and Worship program, and you could go into L.A., and I've had some students who have done this, and just and hang out your own shingle, do your own thing, become parachurch right. outside the church. Now, these are good people. And right. they are, and they are convinced, and I believe that in many cases they are correct that this is the professional avenue that God has called them to. But there is another group of students who are going in as worship pastors, and they are working through the church as the primary organ of distribution of of goodness, beauty, and truth to the community and to the world at large. Both groups are okay. Yeah. Both groups are doing what God has called them to do. All these people that are out in L.A. and, and Nashville and New York, those, those folks are, aren't ignoring the church, but their professional life is in, is in secular media yeah. and trying to make a difference Reaching from the inside out. Culture. Yeah, it's a kind of a Larry Crabb thing, inside out. That's, yeah. that's character transformation 101. Well, because as you pointed out earlier, if you leave God out of the equation, the art can go – dark very very quickly oh yeah yeah it's our inclination we don't 
We don't lose that tendency, and the church helps. Sometimes the guardrails that the church puts in place can be uh, more restrictive than they need to be for the sake of safety, Mm -hmm. and I can understand that. And it takes a very brave pastor and church leader to allow these artists who are admittedly different to play. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't encourage play sometimes in the local church, and that's where a lot of good things happen. When you have that – when you have the freedom to blow it, the freedom to fail – I was going to say, experiment, play and experimentation, you know, every once in a while something blows up and you go, okay, that that didn't work, but that doesn't mean that whole project of creativity gets thrown out. I know, yeah. I mean, the the Texas Rangers, go Rangers, uh, <laughs> you know, even the best batters for the Rangers aren't, aren't – we may have one guy that's over 300. He blows it seven times out of ten coming to the plate. So they're coming up with creative approaches to help them over the hump. But we're not going to fire these guys because they're not batting four and 500. We're going to work with them. And that's what we need to do in the local church. Work with your good batters. You know, get them up to 300. Fantastic. Great. Give them the opportunity to fail seven out of ten times. <laughs> Man, that, that would be a different kind of looking church. What are some of the most encouraging and hopeful models that you're seeing out there of uh – Christians uh, embracing the arts and and doing some incredible things with them. Oh goodness! Uh, well, I see. You know the ones that uh, everybody goes to. I see Naima Let mm-hmm. uh, on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing marvelous work through Let's Rise, mm-hmm. uh, L E T T S Rise Productions. She and her husband mm-hmm. um, are are Kevin are yeah. just doing marvelous work out there with the acting community, and in worship out there as well. Uh, Brian Albrecht uh, is a uh, graduated uh, right when the program was getting started, I think right before the program was ever even official. And he's he's making, on average, a film a week in his church. And that is a, wow. that's a tremendous work ethic. Uh, Brian and Kathy, Kathy, his wife, is an actor and just uh, has a, he has a marvelous family. We've got other people. Um, I mean, we've got um, – um, I'm trying to think of the Nihonga, my, my, my buddy who wrote Silence. Um, Mako Fujimura uh, mm-hmm. is doing great work, and uh, he was up in New York mm-hmm. and uh, working in uh, Presbyterian Church up in New York, uh, just doing – Welcoming artists, training right. them, and uh, so there are there are those huge success stories. But the 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 real success stories, I think that I'd like to highlight are the people in my congregation, the people at uh, Lake Ridge Bible Church, uh, who are just doing marvelous work. We have artists who are working there and reaching the community for Christ. We just finished Vacation Bible School mm. and using beauty and goodness and truth through the arts and getting these dear little ones into a relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's You know, I tell my, my writing students, Bill, that most of them, are, uh, most of them aren't going to go out and, and sign a 
six-figure right. deal, but they can write a letter creatively hmm. to their estranged children or their estranged spouse or their estranged father and mother that will heal and bring them back hmm. by God's grace to a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I would trade any contract for life change through the exercise of creative writing in that in that uh, um, in that venue. So in a way you're making a distinction between art as a career versus art as a calling that that you know my dad used to say your your career is what you're paid to do your calling is what you're made to do and if you have a, a creative notion a creative gift in you then you must do that creativity even with, whether you get paid to do it or not somewhere in your life you've you've got to express that because that's what god has made you to do he's he's got a contribution to make through you in this world I think everybody has that calling. Yeah. I think every single everybody person, because it. we're made in the image we're of God. We're all made in the image of God. Uh, we had a, a, a gentleman, uh, Greg Vaughn, mm -hmm. a good friend of mine, called me into the office one time many years ago, and he said, look, um, got all these, these executive people who are married to their jobs, and a lot of these guys have lost their wives and their children in right. the process of building up their business. What do you think we could do? Don't you teach writing down there at DTS? And I said, yeah. So he said, well, let's, why don't we put together a little course? So we did. It's called Letters from Dad. Mm. And it takes guys who are businessmen who don't know they claim anything <laughs> about writing a letter from the heart instead of just a letter from the mind. Right. And we teach them how to do that, and then we have a banquet, and they get together with their loved one that has grown estranged. They work for weeks on one letter. I can only imagine. And they get together with them at the banquet. They separate out, and, read and that they letter. read that letter. And oh, I'm sure you've God got tears and oh my hugs goodness. and yep. All the, kinds the Lord of stuff. uses that. Yeah, businessmen who yeah. wouldn't think they could pick up a paintbrush. That's my next step with them, show them they can paint, can draw as well. Well, let me, give, <laughs> let, me let you give a little advertisement for the, uh, the worship arts uh, department. What kind of students are you looking for to enroll oh, in that boy, program? That's, you know, no one has ever asked me that. Uh, the kind of student that I am looking for is a, a student who is willing to follow the Lord in the exercise of his or her creative gifts wherever the Lord leads. You give me a student like that, we're going to town. Hmm. I, I, and it can be any kind of – I don't have to – I mean, I'm not a – I'm a horrible dancer, uh, and, and I used to be able to sing, but I can't anymore. <laughs> but you give me a student whose gift is that, and thing is, oh, you know, over the years – I know people, and yeah. <laughs> we can help. You can link them up. I can link them up, <laughs> and just seeing what the Lord does with these young, especially the young ones, oh my goodness, opening doors that even their, them in, in, in their creative capacity couldn't begin to imagine. He's the God of infinite surprises, mm. and he keeps opening doors despite my protestations of inadequacy. He keeps saying – I mean – Bill, if you knew me before, when I was cowboying the first 18 years of my life, you would you would never – I mean, and even people that know me now say, Reg, really? 
what the reg i knew yeah no it's not the same no. uh I, and i just i i it's the lord's grace it's just pure it sounds so trite doesn't it but it's what it is it's his grace it's his overwhelming kindness that i don't deserve and i couldn't work for it's just because he loves me and i pray every day that he'll help me love him the way that he loves me so the the word that comes to mind as you're describing this and your work with your students among other things, if you're unleashing something there, it sounds like. I'm giving the students permission Fission. to be what God has always designed them to be. Hmm. And once they sense that it's okay to play, once they sense it's okay to not make a hundred every time, then we're off to the races. And so we're back to our question, why does the church need drama in the arts? What I hear you appealing to church and church leaders is to start giving permission to people to be who God made them to be. That's a very good way of saying it. I wish I had said that myself. Yes, yes. To it, But it's risky. It feels risky. And, you know, if you're, if you're not uncomfortable, if you're not uncomfortable in your position of creative leadership, you're probably not leading very well or being very creative. Hmm. You need to be. You need to be on the edge saying, Ooh, boys, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you better show up. <laughs> need you. Need you. And, and it really, you know, it enhances our prayer life. It really does. It drives us to our knees. It keeps us dependent, constantly, consistently aware of our need for him. So I think, I think it's, it's a win-win. Well, and, and the opportunity cost, if we keep people bottled up, what are we losing? The thing is, you don't know. You don't know what you're losing. The treasure you, you're missing out. The treasure out. you're missing out on, you can leave it buried. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can we go know. back with the Lord of this talent, you know, here I, I did this, and he's going to say, you know what, there was so much potential in what I gave you, and you missed it. I don't want to be on that end of the of his declaration. Well, and if I'm a church leader, I don't want to be on the end of saying the reason they buried it was because I didn't give them permission to unleash it, to use it, to yeah, put it into Yeah, play. because so many of them, those people who are sitting out there who are gifted – waiting on them, on me to say, hey, try it. Yeah, and they don't even know they're waiting they on it. Right. You know, they're, they're just – they're content. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not taking a chance. I'm okay because, you know, the artist's egos are – infamously fragile so, and they, they they're not they they wouldn't step up and say oh i could i could do that and some of them aren't stage people some of no, them are seamstresses right. and some of them are backstage gardeners people. and yeah. chefs yeah and all kinds yeah of absolutely and but all part of the body of christ all contributing all integrating toward one common goal of glorifying the lord jesus reg this has just been fascinating today thank you very much for joining us and uh, thank you as well for joining us here on the Table Podcast. We would invite you to subscribe to whatever platform that you uh, receive the Table Podcast on. And we'll look forward to seeing you back next time on the Table. I'm Bill Hendricks. Thanks for listening to the Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.